Well, it's Christmas, and Christmas really is my favorite holiday of, of the year. Now, I celebrate Christmas proper, which means I don't listen to Christmas music until after Thanksgiving. Might not be your conviction, and that's fine. You can be wrong, but, but that's, that's my conviction. But after Thanksgiving, man, I'm blasting Christmas music. I love Mariah Carey's Christmas album. Um, she, I mean, she ain't ugly, but, but I, love her, I love her Christmas album, and I, I like the classic Christmas songs, but one of my favorite things to do every year is watch Christmas movies. I love, I, I'm a big Christmas movie fan, um, whether it's Home Alone or my favorite of all time, Christmas Vacation. I watch it every year. I can quote the movie, some of those things I can't, well, actually, this is a second chance, I could quote it, but some of my favorite movie quotes are from there, but I started thinking about the, the, the Christmas, like what was the very first Christmas movie I ever remember watching as a child? And it, it was my first Christmas movie. It might be your first Christmas movie too. It's this guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. We all know the song. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Now, when I watched this for the first time, what you've got to understand, it was not a classic it was, it was relatively new. In fact, that we were like, oh, wow, that technology. Now your teenager could make that movie on their iPhone. <laughs> if they have a droid, they probably couldn't. But if they could make that movie. But it, it, it's the story about Rudolph and how Rudolph came about. And there's something about it. Every time I'm flipping the channels and it's on, it just feels nostalgic. I'm like, it makes me feel like a kid again. But there's a particular part of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer that stood out to me when I was a kid, and I didn't quite understand why until about four or five years ago, and I finally got it, and it's the scene in the movie where they go to the island of misfit toys. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, there's some sketch stuff going on in this picture. There's some, there's some sketchy things, like, like Charlie in the box. Uh, it, it, when I remember Rudolph asked him what his name is. He said, oh, is your name Jack? And he went, no. My name's Charlie. You remember this? <laughs> nobody wants Charlie in the box. Well, here's news for you, Charlie. Nobody wants a Jack in the box because a Jack in the box is the scariest thing you could ever give a child because you teach your child, do this little thing and plays a little song and a clown pops out. Okay. Clowns are freaking scary. I don't care who you are. So if your child has, has like psychological problems down the road, it's your fault because you got them a jack-in-the-box. There we go. There, I'm, I'm venting. Um, th there's the spotted elephant, which that's a little crazy. Unless you're on LSD, that might be cool. Um, there was a squirt gun that shot jelly that you could, I guess you take that to the Waffle House. I don't know. Um, but these, these people were misfits, and that's what they identified themselves as. They, they said, we're the island of misfit toys. They even had the little song about how they're misfits. And the reason they were misfits is not because they thought they were misfits. They wouldn't have known they were misfits unless somebody else told them. Somebody labeled them misfits. And because of the labels that were placed on them, they were limited to life on this island separated from everything else. And one of the things that I've discovered personally is if we allow other people to label us, it will limit us from the life that God ultimately has for us, and we'll spend our life on an island separated from some incredible things that God wants for us. God actually uses misfits, and in fact, I would go as far to say misfits actually get to see the miracle. Now, the way I got all of this is I'm a visual person, so this is the island of misfit toys, but let me take you all the way back to the original island of Misfit, I mean the OG island of Misfit Toys. This is it right here, the manger. 
Now, if you're from church background, you're like, those are not misfits. Those are godly people. No, they're not. Not during the time. We think they are now because we, t- we have a 30,000 view. We know the whole story. <clears throat> That's a cr- like, if I walk up on that scene, there's some sketchy stuff happening there, right? Like, first of all, I'm not really sure trumpet person was here. Because um, if I walk up and trumpet person's there with a, like an angel with a trumpet, I'm like, there's something special here. But I want to go ahead and guarantee you that trumpet person was not there. However, Joseph was there. Mary was there. Seven pound, eight ounce baby. Jesus was there. Wise men were there. Shepherds were there. And in that time period, all of them were misfits. All of them were considered outcasts. All of them were labeled by people who honestly had no business labeling them. But the beautiful thing is, they did not let their labels limit them from what God had for them. And they were able to break through with the power of one word, which is what we're going to talk about today. I want to talk to you about why I believe these are a bunch of misfits. First of all, there's Joseph. Now, Joseph, <laughs> how, don't, don't raise your hand because I don't, don't want to know. Everybody here, I just kind of, everybody here, if you've got a family, you have family drama. Am I correct? And if you're sitting here going, I, no, I don't really have family drama. You're the family drama. You're, 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 who, you're what they're talking about, right? What are we going to do with so-and-so for Christmas? Family drama. Now, the three things you don't talk about in the South when you get together with your family are sports, politics, or religion. So if you were smart at Thanksgiving, you talked about those three things, so you have to buy less Christmas presents. But if you didn't talk about those three things, I guess you could, like, text somebody today. But um, there's always some family drama. Well, Joseph's family was full of drama. Like, his lineage started because his great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather had sex with his daughter-in-law who had dressed as a prostitute to seduce him. This is like Jerry Springer in the scripture. This is Hebrews Gone Wild Spring Break Edition, all right? This is, this is insane. So it didn't start out good. And then Joseph's occupation, does anybody know what he was? He was a carpenter. Now, I got mad respect for carpenters. I got mad respect for people that can build things with their hands. I can, I, if I change a light bulb, my house will explode. That, that's how unskilled I am, okay? So people that can work with their hands is fascinating. But because he was a carpenter, here's what that means. In the Jewish system of schooling, you would go into school, and if you were smart and you could memorize more scripture than other people, you would continue into schooling until eventually you became a religious leader or a rabbi. And at some point, if they didn't think you were good enough or you had enough, they would say, you're schooled up until this point. It's really great. You need to go back and do what your father did and kind of learn the family trade. So the fact that Joseph was a carpenter tells us that he was rejected by the religious system who told him eventually he wasn't enough, and he stepped out of that religious system back into being a carpenter. Now, if I'm God, and I'm not, but if I'm God and I'm picking out an earthly father to raise my son, you would figure that God would have picked out a priest, right? Because the priests, you know, they're religious and they, they, they know the, the word and they know how the sacrifice system goes, a priest, but no priest. You would figure you'd pick out 
maybe a, a, a tabernacle leader, like you're, you're a leader in the tabernacle, um, or maybe just a temple worker, somebody that worked in the temple, or somebody that at least lived in Jerusalem, because that's where the temple was. But no, God picked a carpenter who lived in Nazareth, a country hick who essentially was a school dropout. God said, that's my guy. That's my guy right there. See, people would have labeled Joseph average. He's just an average guy doing an average job, living in an average town. But they didn't understand something that it took me years to understand. God doesn't make anything or anyone average. If you're here today, watching online or in the room, you were created in the image of God, custom designed by the creator of the universe, and you are a lot of things, but you are not average. God has a plan for your life or you would not be here. But Joseph, in the, in the time period, was an average guy. He was a misfit. But the misfit got a front row seat to the miracle because he didn't let other people label him, and therefore their labels didn't limit him from what God wanted to do in his life. Now, he resisted at first. Have you ever told God no? One honest person in the room. I had one honest, thank you so much. He said yes. Everybody else was like, no, I've always said yes. After the service, I must polish my halo and walk upon Lake Hartwell and turn some water into wine, okay? I, I just, sorry, I didn't mean to trigger anybody. But, but <laughs> Joseph wrestled with what God wanted him to do because the story goes like this. We talked about this a few weeks ago, but let's just visit it. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. There's a sentence right there. That's pretty awesome. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, hello, she became pregnant. How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Pause. Joseph's giddy, getting married to Mary. I want to marry Mary. I want to marry Mary. She walks in. She's like, I got something to tell you. You're like, what you got to say, baby? I'm pregnant. Oh. Um, well, see, what happened was we... We ain't, I haven't done anything. Oh, no, 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 it's, it's the Holy Spirit. Oh, okay. Um, we'll have to shut down that registry at Target because I think, like, that, like, Joseph struggled. Joseph struggled with what God was doing in Mary's life. He didn't believe. He didn't have faith. And I'm not judging him. If I was in his shoes, I would have struggled too. If you don't struggle with what God's asking you to do, you're probably not hearing God. Because God never calls us into our comfort zone. He calls us out of our comfort zone. So Joseph had decided, you know what, this is a bit much. I don't think, I don't, I don't think God works like that. You ever heard anybody say that? I love it when people, I don't think God works like that. I'm like, I am so glad that the work of God is not limited to your imagination. Hello, thank you very much. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. And did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now this is, I just want to pause right here and thank Matthew because we got a glimpse into Joseph's heart right here. Because 
Joseph could have disgraced her publicly. He could have had her killed. According to Jewish law, she could have been taken and killed. But he valued the relationship over being right. And I, I don't know who this is for, but you, you got some family coming in this Christmas, or you're going to spend some time with some family, and you don't agree with them politically, and you don't agree with them morally, or maybe you don't agree with them scripturally, but I'm telling you, you can win an argument and lose the relationship. And so, so that's what we see. But it's so cool. If God's doing something in your life and somebody else doesn't understand, it's not up to you to convince them. God will work on them. So Mary's like, I don't know, God. You're going to have to do something. And God was like, all right. So he considered, as Joseph considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And you can almost see Mary on the stand on the side going, I told you, I told you, you don't listen to me. No, but you listen to the angel. Well, I would listen to the angel. Um, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph woke up, he prayed about it. He formed a small group to study the possibilities of it. No, he did it. Joseph woke up and was like, okay, oh, okay, I, Lord, give me a sign like the great theologian DMX said, so I, I'm, I'm in. So he woke, he, he woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. Now, let me just ask a question. I'm not, it's not a trick question. Did Joseph completely understand everything God was asking him to do? Yes or no? No. Joseph did not wake up and go, oh my gosh, I'm going to be the earthly father of Jesus who's eventually going to grow up for three years. He's going to have public ministry. He's going to be crucified, but that's okay because he's coming back three days later. He's ultimately going to save the world. Yes. Jo this is what Joseph knows. Mary has a baby from the Holy Spirit, and you want me to be the dad. That's all he knew. See, Oftentimes, I struggle with saying yes to God because God will say, this is what you need to do next. And I'm like, okay, but like, what about after that? And what about after that? Could I get like a five-year plan for approval? But God doesn't share things with us like that. God, Joseph, Joseph knew what God wanted in the moment, and Joseph got to be at the front row of the miracle because of one word, Yes. Okay, God, I don't understand what you want me to do. I don't understand what you're asking. I really don't understand why. But God, you've clearly asked me to take this next step. And so my answer is yes. And when a misfit says yes and ignores the labels, the limitations of labels, is when they can step into seeing a miracle. The second person that's a misfit in this story is Mary. Now, it's kind of insulting to call Mary a misfit in today's world, but in, in the community she lived in, she was looked down on. Let, let, let me set it up like this. <laughs> I come from a, a pretty uh, traditional background when I first got involved in church, and I was working in this church one time. And, and, and if you're from church world, you've seen this happen on Mother's Day. 
Now, the church would give flowers to moms, um, and, and it was like a contest every year. You give a flower to the mother with the most children, which to me was always a little awkward um, because, like, the woman with 12 kids would walk forward, and you'd be like, dang, woman. <laughs> what did you did you have spare time? Um, and then, especially when the kids are like eleven months apart, you're like, "What? Oh my! Oh, anyway, different message, different time." And then you, then the oldest mother, always awkward, always awkward, because you're like, "There's the ninety year old, and like, there's two women standing, and you're like, you know what? Y'all have earned a flower. Y'all both take the flower, because we always bought extra flowers because eventually you stop asking how old the woman is. And then there was the youngest mother. Now, I saw this going really bad very early because I was a youth pastor, and they told me to reach all kinds of teenagers, and I thought they meant all kinds of teenagers, so I'm reaching all kinds of teenagers. And I remember being in a staff meeting going, I think we need to revisit this youngest mother thing and being told, no, 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 it's always good. Like, the, you know, there's a 25, 30-year-old mom, and she comes forward, and everybody's clapping. I'm like, I just, I just see it going bad. And they were like, no, 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 no. And, 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 and then it happened. Mother's Day, where the girl was 15 and didn't have a dad with her. She walked down to get her flower. And I, you ever seen the movies where somebody just starts to slow clap? And then, and I'm trying that, and like there's a few other people in the church, and there was no clapping. She walked back to her seat. She didn't come back. Because she walked, it was, a, it was the walk of shame. Now, Pause just a second and ask yourself, when Mary walked around her village, pregnant, was that the walk of shame for her? Absolutely. If she listened to the labels that other people put on her, she would have walked around in shame because of a rumor. Have you ever, had a, have you ever heard a rumor about you? Oh, by the way, y'all know I smoke weed? Some of you are like, I knew it. I, no, 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 I, I found that out last week. I smoked weed. I didn't know I smoked weed. And by the way, just a pause, just a side note, I've never smoked weed in my life. I'm, I'm not judging you if you have. I've bagged it. I've sold it. I was with my dad when he got arrested for distributing it, but I've never smoked it. But they legalized it in Congress. I mean, they can't pass the stimulus bill, but they can all pass the weed bill, which explains a lot of their decisions. Hello, thank you very much. Can you see Trump and Pelosi? Puff, puff, give. All right, so, good, dear God, I've lost it. I mean, that would explain a lot of behavior. No, but, but somebody told me, I heard that you were at this place and you were smoking weed. I'm like, I've never, I've never done that. But once a rumor gets out there, it's out there, right? And I was like, you know, I'm, I just, I did, I'm, I've never done, I'll own what I've done, but I'm not going to own what I've, but think about the rumors that Mary dealt with. In her town, in a small town, people talking about her. Do you know what? If she had let the labels that other people put on her, she could have never stepped into what God had for her. She, there were people that talked about her. In fact, in the village that Jesus grew up in, think about this for a second. Jesus was considered to be a bastard child. Nobody knew who his daddy was. And nobody believed the whole Holy Spirit story. But Mary did. When the angel showed up and said, Mary, this is what I want you to do. What, 
was this calling Mary out of her comfort zone, yes or no? Yeah. But after the angel said, this is what I want for you, Mary said, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. What got Mary the misfit, the front row seat to the miracle? It's very simple. She said yes. She didn't understand how God was going to do what he was going to do. She didn't understand how this was going to fully develop. But in the moment when God said, this is what I want from you, she said yes. And because she said yes and refused to accept the labels that would have limited her to what society thought about her, today, cathedrals are named after her. People name their daughters after her. Not because she did this great, powerful, awesome thing, just simply because she said yes. Which brings me to the third group in the story, the shepherds. I love the shepherds. In fact, let me set it up this way. And if you've heard me teach for any length of time, you'll hear this. And I'll talk about it often. If I think about it long enough, I'll get mad. Um, but <laughs> how many of you have ever worked in um, the restaurant industry? And a, like you, you've been a waiter or a waitress. Raise your hand. You've had to work with people. Then You know, there's a couple things. The person that said the customer is always right has never waited on tables. The, the customer is usually an idiot. That's that, and I'm just speaking from somebody that had worked in the... In fact, because I worked in the restaurant industry, I almost didn't come to church. I almost didn't come. Because I worked at Ryan's and Easley, and on Sunday I knew what church got out and the church crowd. And I never forget, there was always this guy, and um, he would always come up to the cash register, and he was always trying to say something funny. But he wasn't funny. Have you ever met that guy that's, that's trying to be funny? And me, I've just always been the guy that if you're not funny, I'm not going to laugh. So he'd be like, da 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 ha, 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 And I'd be like, it's $24.91. And so over time, we kind of developed some hostility toward one another. And I was unchurched, and he was very churched, like he was church-churched, all right? And so one day, I never forget this, it's one of my proudest moments. I don't know if it should be or not, but you know what, I'm broken. So he walked in. And he said to me, he said, we talked about people like you in our church today. I said, well, awesome. I said, uh, you mind if I ask, like, what type of person that is? And he said, I don't mind at all. He said, we talked about the type of person that actually sins by working on Sunday. How do you feel about that? And I looked at him and I said, well, I would much rather be the person that sins by working on Sunday than be the person that causes me to sin by actually coming in the restaurant where I have to work on Sunday because of people like you. Now, I, I really did say that. It was such a great moment. Um, he never spoke to me again, which actually was a blessing. But it was one of those things where I realized that, that I was being, in that moment, used by religion. Have you ever been used by religion. Like maybe you can attend the church. You can give money to the church, but we're not going to let you serve in this church because your lifestyle isn't quite like we want it to be. I'm just saying hypothetically that's happened to people all over the all over the world. 
That was the shepherds. You say, Perry, how do you get that? Well, I didn't realize this until I went to Israel several times, that Bethlehem and Jerusalem are about six miles apart. There is literally six miles from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. So Jerusalem is where the temple was. And Jerusalem is where they would sacrifice the sheep and the goats and the bulls, like a lot of sacrificing going on in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is where the temple was, where you would go to have your sins paid for. You would go to, have, to be made right with God. You had to go to the temple for that to happen. Bethlehem is where they would keep the sheep that were used for the temple sacrifice. And who was in charge of keeping the sheep for the temple sacrifice? The shepherds. But there's a problem. The shepherds were considered to be unclean. The shepherds, because they were unclean, could not go to the temple. They could not have their sins paid for. They could not have a sacrifice made for them. The shepherds could take care of the sheep that were used for the sacrifice, but those sacrifices could not be made for them because they were unclean. They were misfits, according to the religious leaders. So God bypassed the temple, and he bypassed the religious system. And the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 2, that night there were shepherds staying in the field. Who were staying in the field? Shepherds guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, can you imagine? You're a shepherd. You're an outcast. You're hanging out with your boys and some sheep. And the next thing, the angels show up and they sing. Do you really understand what you're about to step into as a shepherd? Yes or no? No. Do you really understand that you're about to see the Messiah who's eventually going to be crucified on a cross and raised from the dead and pay for the sins of the world? Yes or no? No. See, the shepherds were not good enough, according to religion. But God looked down from heaven, and he bypassed the whole religious system, and he invited the unclean to have a front row seat. Had they accepted the label that the religious community had placed on them, they would have been limited by what they, and they would have missed the miracle. But when God spoke to the shepherds, they said, yes. We don't understand, but yes. We don't completely, I mean, there's angels, and I'm, we've never seen, but you know what, Yes. And because the outcast said yes, they got the front row seat to a miracle. Last but not least, we'll talk about the wise men for just a second. Um, I was having a conversation with a friend slash relative the other day. 
13 years old. And um, he asked me this question. I, I, I knew where this conversation was going as soon as he said this. He said, um, I was on YouTube the other day, and I put your name in just to see what would pop up. He said, there's some interesting clips about you on YouTube. I'm, not, I'm like, there are. There are. And he said, I have a question for you. I said, okay. He said, in 2009, did you really start your Easter service with the song Highway to Hell by ACDC? I said, yes, I did. He said, man, that was awesome. I said, yes, it was. Now, do you know how much hell I've caught for Highway to Hell? And by the way, that was 11 years ago, people. I've done way more offensive stuff since then. <laughs> Get out of your history book, please. Anyway, so um, I, I've had people ask me, um, would you do it again? Absolutely. No regrets. No regrets at all. You know why? Because I had an email for quite some time from a guy that walked into the church service. He said within 30 seconds, God spoke to him and said, that's the highway you're on and you need to give your life to me. And he got saved before the service even was over. Now, this is what I love. And it's the theological argument that I've loved for years. Ah, but Perry, that was sin. Was it? Or was it just meeting people where they are and bringing them to where? See, here's what I've discovered about people that will call something like that sinful. You forgot where you were when Jesus met you. Oh, snap. No, it's, it, I love it when people go, well, I was do 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 and I found God. Newsflash, God wasn't lost. You weren't at Walmart and walked down, oh, excuse me, sir, you need some help? Oh, you're God? And God's like, yeah, I'll let, I'll let Satan create two things. He created cats and Walmart, and I don't know how to get out of this place, so could you walk me out? That didn't happen. But see, religion has taught us that God basically looked at us and said, here's a ladder, climb up here, and if you climb good enough, you can get to me. But God didn't give us a ladder and say, do more, try harder. He gave us a cross and said, it is finished. And it is finished is a way better message than do more, try harder. And you say, Peter, how, does he, how do you get that out of the wise man? Well, according to the Old Testament, astrology was considered to be sinful. If you were a Jewish person, you were practicing astrology, you were to be kicked out of society. Astrology, just by the way, was like looking at the stars and trying to predict the future by looking and in some cases worshiping the stars. Now, for those of you that know the Christmas story, what were the wise men looking at? Oh, the, the, the stars? Huh. So did God sin? By meeting them where they were and bringing them to where they needed to be. See, he sent the angels to the shepherds, but the shepherds were Jewish. They got that. But the wise men geographically were about 350 to 400 miles away because they were from modern-day Iran, Iraq. 
It took about a month for the wise men to get to Jesus, where it took the shepherds just a few minutes to get to Jesus. See, the problem sometimes with believers is we forgot where we were when we got saved. And we get so righteous and we get so holy that we look at something and say, well, God didn't do that. But see, God takes something that the religious community would have considered sinful and what they considered sinful, God said it's useful. He didn't send them angels. He didn't send them scriptures. He didn't say, you're wrong for looking at the stars. Knock it off. Here's what he did. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where's the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star. Well, you shouldn't have been looking at the stars. Sinful. Yeah, I'm, 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 this, is, this is what I know. We went and looked at the stars, and there was one telling us that there's a king of the Jews. Now, because this is the 1130 service, I'm going to share some stuff with y'all. I didn't get to send, share with the first two. Is that okay? Can, can I have like three more minutes? Are, are we good? Just three more minutes. That's all I need. We saw a star and have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Why were they disturbed? Because they were looking at the stars. So here's something funny happened. Watch this. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come to you who will be the shepherd for, the, for, for my people Israel. It's called a shepherd, and the shepherds are there. I just think that's kind of funny. So don't miss this. The wise men go in. They tell Herod, hey, we think that the king of the Jews is here. And he calls the religious leaders and the priests, and they have a Bible study. And in the Bible study, they go, well, yeah, that makes sense. He's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. Just real quick. Mary's at the manger, and Joseph's at the manger, and the shepherds are at the manger, and the wise men are at the manger. Who's not at the manger? The Pharisees, the scribes, the priests religious leaders because they knew about him but because he didn't fit into their system they never saw him so here's what's funny the wise men stopped following the star and had a bible study that told them where Jesus should have been born so you would think they would have stopped all that stargazing right but this is what Scripture says. I can't make this up. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star. Huh. There's the star again. You would figure they would have stopped that because they went to a Bible study. But there's that star they had seen in the east, guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. So the star led them. To Jesus. And when they saw, and then they were filled with joy, they entered the house, and the child was with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him, and they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Here's the wise men, 350 to 400 miles away. They see a star, 
and they wind up. It, he, how did the wise men get in the story? It's very simple. They said yes. They didn't understand. Don't miss this. It took the wise men longer than it took the shepherds. They had to travel further. God reached them in a different way than he reached the shepherds. But they got to the place. They were considered to be outcasts and pagans. But they didn't accept the labels that religion put on them. And because they didn't accept the labels, the misfits wound up at the manger and saw the miracle that the scribes and the Pharisees missed. So with all this in mind, let me ask you a question. Ask yourself, what do I need to say yes to? Now, for me, I've been working on this message all week, and God's been sharing some stuff that I need to say yes to that in about two or three months, I'll share it with you. It's, it's really personal right now, but it's amazing what God has done in my life just this week in reading through this. And, and for me to say yes, I have to step past the, the, the labels that people have tried to put on me that would limit me from doing what God's called me to do. So what is God calling you to? What is that thing that you need to say yes to? You don't understand it. You're not quite sure what would happen next if you do say yes. And here's the deal. I'm not going to start listing out things here for you to say yes to because I want for you to hear the Holy Spirit of God speak to your heart on this question right here. Because this question right here is essential for you to experience a breakthrough in your relationship with Jesus. What is that thing? And what will you do? Can you stand and let's pray together? Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I just want to pray for every single person in this room, every single person watching online. God, that you would fill us with the faith and you would fill us with the courage to say yes. With heads bowed and eyes closed, what is that thing that God has been prompting you to do? What is that thing or you know you need to say yes to and and it is scary it's 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 that thing that sometimes causes you to wring your hands but the thing you need to know is when you say yes to Jesus that that he is with you that he has chosen you for this very thing that you are not forsaking forsaken that he is for you that he is not against you and you are not who the label makers say you are you are who God says you are unconditionally loved accepted and able to do what he's called you to so right now just in a posture of surrender I just want you to think about that yes and think about the fact that he has his hand on you today father right now I want to thank you that who the son has set free is free indeed we are free from the labels that would limit us from stepping into what you have for us so right now, just in a posture of surrender, why don't you just say yes? Yes, Lord, I'll do that. Yes, I'll go there. Yes, I'll, I'll surrender. Jesus, I'll surrender right now in this moment. My answer is yes. And maybe you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ. You've never asked Jesus into your heart. If that's you and you know, know you need to give your life to Jesus, you need to ask Jesus to come into your life. You just need to say yes to salvation. Then I want you to pray this prayer with me right where you're standing or online. Just right where you are, just say, Jesus Christ, 
yes, you can have my life. I surrender. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer, I want you to put your hand in the air right now. You just said yes to Jesus. You just said yes. You put your hand in the air. If you're online, do the hand raise emoji. There are hands up. Father, I want to thank you for these hands that are in the air of people that just accepted you. Father, I want to thank you right now in the name of Jesus for those who are saved in the room but are saying yes to you. Yes, I'll step into this, Jesus. I want to pray, Father, as we walk out of this place that we would know we are called, we would know we are chosen, we would know today because of this message, this encounter, that we're not forsaken. You have not given up on us. You still have a plan for our lives and it's still greater than we could ever imagine. I thank you, God, that you love us, haven't forsaken us, have a plan for us, and the best really is yet to come. And everybody that agreed with this prayer said, amen. Hey, thank you so much for coming to church today. We'll see you guys next week for our Christmas services. God bless. Love y'all.